Highlights from Rafael Stone's press conference addressing the media after the Daniel Tice trade, bringing in Dennis Schroeder and Bruno Fernando. Thoughts on Dennis Schroeder's fit with this team, Dacian Nix's role moving forward, and any potential playing time he may be able to get at the NBA level, as well as the general direction of the rebuild and more coming up right here at Locked on Rockets. This is Mission Control, Houston. Ignition sequence start. With the second pick in the 2021 NBA Draft, the Houston Rockets select Jalen Green. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep getting better every day. I'm going to keep perfecting my craft. And every time I step on that floor, I'm coming. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What's up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and also host of Locked on NBA Mondays. Be sure to follow along on Twitter at JT Gatlin and the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets. Now, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Now, for today's episode, we're going to get into bunch of different things, focusing on some of the takeaways from Rafael Stone's press conference, addressing the media after the Daniel Tice trade, bringing back uh, Dennis Schroeder, Bruno Fernando, and Ines Cantor Freedom from the Boston Celtics. Also included in that is the waving of DJ Augustine and Armani Brooks, also Ines Freedom to be waved as well. So with all of that, I think the the biggest takeaway or one of the first things to address here is what does the role of Dennis Schroeder look like on this Rockets team? Because for all intents and purposes, it looks as if the Houston Rockets plan for Schroeder to have a role with this team and with this organization. And so I think that's as good a point as any to start with Rafael Stone and kind of his vision, I suppose, for what Schroeder brings to this team and to this organization. We wanted to do, to do it to help him, but we also wanted to find something um, that that we ended up with at the end of the day where we thought we were improved too, and so um, and so we're able to find find this deal and make it work. As it relates to Dennis, um, I think he's just a really good basketball player um, and has been for years, and so um, this is an opportunity for us to get to know him and him to get to know us, um, and um, and I think. Um, kind of the style of basketball we play is is um you know we are we're we're depending upon how you measure it we're either the fastest or one of the top three or four fastest teams in the nba and he's obviously electric uh in the open court uh and he's above average average defender and so um so um i think it's going to be a good fit or i hope it's going to be a good fit um again both ways and um and we're looking forward to to I've had a couple of good conversations with them already, but we're looking forward to seeing how it works out. So ultimately, with the vision here, it looks like there's an expectation for Schroeder to bring something to the table for this Rockets team. And so far, you know, a lot of the fan reaction surrounding this has been largely kind of negative. And while I get the apprehension in bringing in yet another veteran who is supposedly going to be taking away minutes and reps from the young guys, I do think there's something to be said here for just how beneficial 
Eric Gordon has been as like a stabilizing force with the starters and, and throughout these games. And the fact that this Rockets team is 0-10 when Gordon doesn't play and and largely a lot of blowouts involved when Eric Gordon doesn't play or touch, you know, touch the court. So to give them another kind of stabilizing veteran force on the bench is something that I don't think is the absolute end of the world, right? There's something to be said for if you're just trotting out a bunch of 19 and 20 year olds, there might, they might be able to, you know, kind of have like a lightning in a bottle type moment and have some success, you know, kind of sparingly throughout a game or for a stretch in a game, that kind of thing, because they're just, they're young, energetic, they're playing fast. Sure. They're not impossible from it. It's not impossible for them to achieve success, but at the same time, We've seen stretches with this team where, especially when they don't have one of Kevin Porter Jr. or Alper and Shingoon on the floor in conjunction with the games that Eric Gordon has missed, and things start to look really, really bad out there. Now, maybe the answer is Dacian Nix, right? Like, Dacian Nix has been playing incredible at the G League level, and I want to focus on him in the second segment, but... If they bring in Schroeder and if they give him, you know, a, a legitimate role off this bench, and I apologize, not I can't even say if at this point they're going to bring him in. Depending on what that role looks like, I really do think it can be ultimately beneficial to the the young guys on this Rockets roster for this final one third of the season, right? And if he comes in and if he's bought into, you know, playing the type of basketball that they want to play and he's not just out to get his, then I don't see how it won't be beneficial to have a veteran guard on the floor alongside guys like Josh Christopher, like Al P, like KJ Martin, right? Kind of helping to run and steer that second unit and really get out in transition and play to the strengths of the rest of this Rockets team. I think that's one thing that DJ Augustine didn't do quite as much. Yeah, DJ is more the kind of, slow things down, get guys set up in the half court, kind of distribute the basketball a little bit, but he's not the same type of guard to, at this point in his career, to take the ball and be able to take off in transition and get some easy buckets and play with a lot of pace. And that's something that Stone just highlighted there was the fact that that is a play style that is very well suited to Dennis Schroeder, and that's how the Rockets like to be able to play. So and it doesn't just have to mean Schroeder playing, but just the other guys coming off the bench, there might be some ability to mix and match some of those lineups and have, you know, Schroeder get some reps with, you know, KPJ or Jalen Green and kind of see what that unlocks for the rest of the guys on the roster. I think the big takeaway here needs to be if Schroeder is suddenly getting 20, 25, 30 minutes a night and it's infringing upon the ability for guys like Josh Christopher or even Jalen Green or KPJ to get the reps and the minutes that they should be getting for this final one-third of the season, then yeah, I'm going to be one of the first people up in arms about it saying, why is Dennis Schroeder getting 25 a night or 30 a night? It makes no sense, right? Unless it's leading to some really quality basketball being played, which, you know, by, you know, to extend upon that thought, right? It means that Jalen, KPJ, Josh Christopher, all the guys on the roster, right? They're getting like solid reps of basketball and they're not just getting blown out by 20 or 30 every night. If Dennis Schroeder is actually leading to some competitive basketball games, then yeah, I can see why that makes a little bit of sense, right? But at the end of the day, the priority for this final third of the season for the Rockets needs to be focusing on the development and the growth of the young guys. And as long as Dennis Schroeder isn't infringing upon that, then I don't really have any issue with the Rockets bringing him in and hopefully adding another guard to their rotation, especially if they're not ready 
to make the move to bring Dacian Knicks up from the G League. And I think that's the important, you know, catalyst or the important point to take home here is Dacian Knicks has been absolutely tearing up the G League, but do the Rockets really want to bring him back just yet, or do they want him to continue to get those reps down in the G League? And so coming up, I do want to focus on Dacian Knicks here for a moment. But first, got to drop in a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. Because look, when it comes to protein bars, Built Bar is the best protein bar in the market. There's no, there's no arguing that. They're so good. They've got so many fla- amazing flavors to choose from. Strawberry, cookies and cream, mint brownie, peanut butter, coconut brownie chunk. You can't go wrong with a single bar on their menu. Every single bar, low-cal, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Amazing if you're on a keto diet. Amazing if you feel yourself kind of slipping from your New Year's resolutions and needed a little extra boost to kind of keep you, you know, stick to your diet, stick to your New Year's resolutions. Built Bar can help you out, and you can check them out. Just go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your very next order of the best-tasting protein bars on the market. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked on Now podcast, nightly recaps of every NBA game with analysis from our local experts, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. So I kind of started teeing up the conversation about Dacian Knicks a moment ago, and it's worth sharing that Rafael Stone and the Rockets front office, I mean, they're incredibly high on Dacian Nix as well. And the fact that Dacian Nix was actually in Houston for, you know, quote unquote, some administrative paperwork uh, or administrative stuff, I should say. So I'll, I'll run this back from from Stone. He's playing great. Uh, he, I'm actually going to go grab. He's actually here in town for. Uh, for some administrative things, not, not, not for anything basketball related. Um, and he's stopping over there. The, the, the Vipers are on their way on a road trip. So he's going to go mm. meet them. Um, and, uh, so we're going to go grab lunch. He's playing great. He's really happy. Um, and he's just developing at an awesome rate. Um, I would imagine at some point he will, he will be, I mean, he's had, he's been on the court with the Rockets already. Like, it's not like, that's not a secret. And I would imagine we'll see that again. Um, but there's not like a firm plan. He needs to do this. He needs to do that. Like, we're really, really happy with his development. Um, and um, and so there, there's no need to, like, interrupt that right now. And he's happy. I should, you know, that is, that is one thing. Like, he, he knows he's improved tremendously. He's really, really enjoying his experience. Like, we're, we're, all, we're all very much in a good place right now with Dacian, including Dacian. So I think kind of one of the takeaways from from that comment from Stone is okay if if everybody's on the same page about where they're at developmentally with Dacian it's not necessarily like why ruin a good thing because yeah clearly the next step is from okay you're succeeding at the G League level great let's bump you up and let's get you some NBA reps but that being said it's not like Dacian has been you know succeeding at the G League level for a calendar year or for an entire season, it's been a short stretch and yeah, he's shown a lot of flashes. He's shown a lot of talent and I like, he is genuinely, he is a point guard, right? He's not, he's not Kevin Porter jr. Trying to establish the identity between being a point guard, lead guard, combo guard, like Dacian Nix is a point guard and probably the only pure point guard that the Rockets have access to right now at this point on their roster. 
because KPJ, while he's I, you know, learning that role and, and succeeding and doing a good job kind of molding himself into that, he's not a true point guard at this point. He's he's figuring that out, right? Jalen Green is a combo guard, two guard. Josh Christopher is a combo guard, two guard. And even Josh Christopher said at practice on Sunday that Dennis Schroeder is going to be able to allow him to play his natural position of the two because he's been kind of playing both roles right now for the Rockets bench unit, and he's always been a two in his career. So that allows Josh Christopher to kind of slot back over and maybe you know take the ball out of his hands a little bit more, let him get back into what he's comfortable with on the floor. So with Dacian, though, even though he's been playing absurdly well, it's one of those things where let him continue to get those reps, the G league level, right? Because he's going to be getting, you know, 30 plus minutes a night in the G league. Whereas if he does come back up to the Houston Rockets, then suddenly he's only getting, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 minutes a night spot minutes. If that in the Rockets rotation, and that's only if they decide they're just going to completely ax Dennis Schroeder from the rotation. So I think it's one of those things where, the G League is giving him a certain amount of reps and getting him a lot of burn, just like we saw with Josh Christopher and Usman Garuba earlier this season, is those guys weren't getting any playing time with the Rockets team at the NBA level, so they sent them down to the G League to get some actual reps. And so with Dacian right now, that's exactly what's happening. is He's getting the reps that he needs, the practice time that he needs, and he's continuing to impress and show this organization, hey, I should be worthy of playing some minutes at the NBA level. Is it you know, the end of the world, if he doesn't get to play any, you know, minutes with the Rockets for this final one third of the season, not necessarily, he's going to continue to get solid reps with the G league Vipers. And the good news is, even though he was like, I, I would like to point out that if he was in town for some administrative duties and there's an expectation and an understanding that Inez freedom is going to be waived, opening up a roster spot, uh, on this Rockets team, let's connect the dots here. And Dacia Nix was probably filling out some paperwork or signing a contract to get locked down to a three or four year deal. Very similarly to Armani Brooks or Garrison Matthews, guys who the Rockets have you know kind of found these gems that other teams have looked over and allowed them the chance to shine and flourish and locking them into a legitimate NBA deal. So if that's the case, I would not be shocked in the slightest if we saw an announcement in the not so distant future that Dacia Nix has signed a, a full-blown NBA deal and you know his two-way contract has been converted at this point because he's earned it. He's playing some really incredible basketball. That said, he is still just a very he's still a very young player. He's very raw and he isn't necessarily the answer for the Rockets right now in their guard rotation. Yeah, maybe you could bring Dacian Nix up and have him and Josh Christopher be the two guards off the bench and just kind of say, you know, to hell with it. It's the final third of the season. Let's just let him get out there and get as many reps as possible. That could also be damaging to the confidence of those guys, right? Dacian Nix is killing it right now in the G League. And if suddenly he's brought back up to the NBA level, he's only getting 10, 15 minutes a night and he starts struggling, then maybe it starts, you know, at that point, you're kind of stunting his development because he's not ready for the next level of competition yet. And on top of that, if you were to bring Dacian Nix back in, instead of allowing Dennis Schroeder a chance at, you know, the rotation over this final one third of the season, then, you know, you're, you're, necessarily not necessarily playing the best basketball you possibly could be to give this Rockets team a chance to give the starters a chance to close out games, to have chances where they're in crunch time and having to make, you know, legitimate decisions about what to do in those close game moments, rather than just being blown out by 10, 20, 25, 30, every game 
on the tail, you know, on this tail end of the basketball season. I, I have to hammer home this point so often, but so many people want to just see the Rockets trot out all the young guys, and it does, and to them, it doesn't matter what the scoreboard reads. And I don't think that's that's not conducive to a learning environment for these young guys to really learn how to flourish at the NBA level, right? They need to play in competitive basketball games. And if you just start every single night with all these young guys, all these rookies, whatever, and you're getting blown out, you know, by the third quarter, then they're not learning. They're not developing. They're not growing, unfortunately. And so if Dennis Schroeder gives them a slight edge, if he'll be able to keep the bench unit a little bit more competitive in some of these games without taking away too many of the reps from the rest of the guard rotation for the Rockets, then I'm all for it, honestly, at this point. Because his impact, while, we, while we've yet to see it on the court, although it does sound like Dennis Schroeder and Bruno Fernando will both be available for the start of this Rockets road trip uh, against Utah Monday evening, you know, we haven't seen it play out just yet, but I'm cautiously optimistic that it's actually going to be a net positive for this Rockets team, having him in the rotation, having somebody who can kind of be a bit of that safety net for the second unit. We've seen Eric Gordon kind of operate as that safety net for the Rockets second or for the Rockets starters, in fact, where he's just kind of off on the side and he's like, all right, you guys do your thing. I'm here for a spot up three if you need me. And if the shot clock winds down and we can't get anything going, just give give me the ball and I'll I'll bully ball it in and you know get two or get to the free throw line. So Having somebody like that on the Rockets bench and Dennis Schroeder, who is a you know a decent spot up three point shooter, decent defender, not an above average defender. I won't go that far, but you know decent NBA defender. He's just a solid vet, right? And at this point, his value is kind of you know under the table as far as what he can bring to a potential NBA team. So maybe he plays his value up a little bit, and maybe the Rockets are able to facilitate signing him to a longer deal this off season and then flipping him as a trade asset or something further down the line. That's a distinct possibility. But as long as he's not, you know, stepping on the toes of the Rockets rookies and as long as he accepts the role that they're, you know, envisioning for him for the rest of the season, then I'm kind of all for it at this point. A few more points to bring up from the stone presser on Eric Gordon's happiness level on Bruno Fernando and what they're kind of seeing for him, as well as just general thoughts on the direction that this rebuild is headed for the Rockets. We're going to get there after a quick message from our friends over at Bet Online because football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all of your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And hey, it's not just basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile mobile device to learn about the trends and action available to you. BetOnline, where the game starts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, appreciate you for making Locked on Rockets your first listen each and every day. For your second listen, be sure to check out Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all of your gambling needs. Make a little bit of money with Locked on to Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I do think one of the other areas of concern in, in this trade deadline and one of the like arguments going into the trade deadline was, you know, Eric Gordon needs to be on a contender. Eric Gordon, you know, it, it's it's a travesty that Eric Gordon has to be stuck with this Rockets team that he's not getting to play competitive basketball. And 
Eric Gordon is happy in Houston. And that's not necessarily like a, a an opinion that a lot of Rockets fans kind of held on to or, or, or even thought about even, you know, occurred. And then they just assumed, oh, EG's a vet. He's played high level basketball before. He must be unhappy in this situation with the Rockets right now. But everything that Eric Gordon has put out there, you know, the, the impression from the organization top to bottom is that EG is happy with where he's at right now. And Rafael Stone confirmed as much in his presser. Yeah, I mean, Eric wants to be here like that. That that that's I feel really comfortable talking about that. Yeah, we um, you know, I've known Eric for it seems like forever now. Right. We've been together for six years, six years, I think. And um, um, yeah, and I know Eric really well and we talk freak personally one on one frequently um, and uh, notice I've noticed agent even longer. Um, and so, um, um, yeah, like, you know, um, Eric made it clear that, and, and, and this is, this isn't like a one-time conversation. It's, it's an iteration. And one of the cool things about the growth of this group has been, you know, um, from the summer and, you know, we, we, we set out a plan or I set out a plan, um, uh, you know, to the team, um, one that, that I believe in that Tillman believes in, um, and, you know, and then, and that, and, and we've tried to be transparent with people, with our fans, um, with the media, with our players and, uh, and using Eric as an example, I think, um, rightfully so he, he, he wanted to understand how he would fit in. And, um, I think it's great that kind of whatever we are nine months later, six months later, I don't know the exact time frame that, you know, he feels good. He feels good about the process and he feels good about where we're at. And he likes this group of guys and, um, he enjoys this team and, he, and, and he wants to be part of what we, I think he's, I, I think he's bought in. I think he sees where, where we can go and, um, and, and wants to be a part of it. And I, I think that's really cool. I think, you know, that's, that's certainly the type of feedback you're hoping to get sitting in our shoes. So again, a lot of confirmation here from Rafael Stone that Eric is happy in this current role. And I can't think of a better vet to have alongside this current crop of, of young players than an EG, somebody who can be just as effective without the ball in his hands as just a spot up shooter and somebody who plays, you know, great defense on that side of the basketball and who can be again, the kind of that safety valve for this young team on the offensive end where it's just like, okay, we, we ran our set. Nothing was there. The play is, you know, has completely devolved into nothingness. Let's just kick it to EG and he's going to be able to get us two at the rim because he just gonna, he's just going to bully ball in there like a bowling ball and guys are just going to bounce off of him like bowling pins and he's going to get two at the rim. Easy peasy. So having EG, you know, here for the long, for not necessarily the long term, but at least for the rest of this season and going into possibly next season, I do think that, you know, Rockets fans are very caught up in the fact that there was no move at the deadline made to acquire, you know, future draft capital, right? More assets because it feels like we've been largely conditioned, um, especially by way of the Oklahoma City Thunder, to expect that a rebuilding team is supposed to mortgage all of their talented players, all their vets, and simply be in asset accumulation mode. Now, I would argue that the Thunder are in a worse off position than the Houston Rockets are, and they've even got like a legitimate guy who who is a franchise cornerstone-esque type player in Shea Gildas-Alexander. And you could make the argument that the Rockets are even further along in their rebuild and have a more conducive rebuilding environment than the Thunder do at this point because they've they haven't simply just 
dumped all their veterans off onto other teams to accrue every first round draft pick under the sun. Will it ultimately be a mistake that the Rockets didn't entertain any of the offers that they had on the table for Eric Gordon or for Christian Wood for the late firsts that were on the table in this upcoming draft? Possibly. But again, when you are sitting here trying to evaluate the what what these guys bring to the table, both on and off the court, the behind the scenes stuff that we're never really going to get to see how they are helping to mold this Rockets locker room is specifically talking with about Eric Gordon here in this regard, then I do think there's some merit to all of those variables outweighing the possible benefit of a first round draft pick in the 25 to 30 range in this upcoming draft that you may or may not be able to package and move up with in the draft or that you may or may not be able to, you know, kind of boost and push to a draft further down the line, all those different variables. Right. So I do come away. I was, a bit underwhelmed at the NBA trade deadline, but the more that I think about it, the more that I come away thinking that, again, there were no bad moves made by the front office. They got off the Daniel Tice contract, and now it's just the rest of the season just about seeing what else they have with this young group of rookies and, and young players. And rolling into the summer, they're large, they're they're likely going to finish as a bottom three or at least bottom five team. I, I don't think that Dennis Schroeder by himself is going to going to suddenly come in and make this Rockets team start picking up W's left and right. And I think that's another concern, <laughs> however unrealistic from a lot of Rockets fans, is that Schroeder is going to suddenly make this team competitive overnight. As long as they still struggle with turnovers and struggle to hit their free throws, this team's going to struggle to win some basketball games, but hopefully Dennis Schroeder can make these games a little bit more competitive so that the young guys can actually play in some competitive basketball games rather than just the blowouts, right? That's the message that I've been trying to deliver for the majority of this show, but this team's probably going to finish with a bottom five record. They're going to potentially pick up an, another top prospect this draft. And then next season will be the season where you really want to see the growth and hopefully see some of these first year players this season in Jalen in Al P Josh Christopher, this summer is going to be a huge building block for them. And hopefully we'll see each one of those guys take a significant step forward into next season. That rookie to sophomore jump is huge. And then the sophomore to junior year jump is also usually very huge for those players with immense potential, right? You can look around the league and see the jumps that certain players have taken. The Luka Doncic, Trey Young, uh, John Morant, all these guys who take that significant leap from their second year into their third year and really start finding themselves and, and you know kind of hitting their potential ceilings as NBA players. And hopefully that can be, you know, what we see take place with this Rockets team as this young this group of young guys is kind of finding themselves at, at the NBA level and as NBA players and establishing their identity for what they're trying to be and trying to accomplish. But I my I got the last question in to Rafael Stone during his presser and I was just curious about you know, where he evaluated himself throughout this whole rebuilding process. And he took the time to give, you know, a pretty open-ended answer as far as his thoughts on how things are going to this point. Well, um, we, we focus a lot on the evaluation and growth of, of players and of coaching. So I'm curious, what is your own evaluation of, of yourself as, as the general manager and any personal growth that you've kind of experienced in the time that you've spent as the GM? Um, um, I don't know. I, I probably, I'm not maybe the most, I, I don't, I don't think about that a lot. I probably think more about what I have to do next a lot. Um, but mostly I'd say incomplete. I mean, I think, I think we're, 
I feel very, very good and very, very comfortable about where we are. We are trying to build something um, that's really cool uh, and very sustainable and that will lead to tremendous success as a franchise. Um, and I feel very good that we are, that we're doing that and that we are, have probably accelerated that timeline more than most people would have thought possible um, when we started 14 months ago, 13 months, 13 months ago. Um, having said that, until you've accomplished it, you haven't accomplished it. And, and so, um, so that's what, that's, that's where I think we are. Um, and, and I'd say, given that's kind of my focus and my job, when we've accomplished it, I'll say I was successful, um, assuming we do. And, uh, and until then I'll say, you know, it hasn't been good enough yet. Like that, you know, um, but, but by no means did we expect it to be done in 13 months. So, um, so I'd say we're, we're on course and I feel really, really good about it. And I think, I do think organizationally, um, you know, all of us feel good about it, you know, from Tillman on down, like, you know, we know what we're, we, you know, we knew at the beginning of this, what we were in for. Um, and, um, and we feel good about our, you know, uh, about the process and, and about the pieces we put together. Um, you know, we, we really like this group. Um, and, and we need to move forward with it. And everyone at every level, myself included, needs to do a better job on a going forward basis. Like it's, it is, it is about constantly improving internally for us. And I come away thinking that's exactly the message that you want to hear from where the head is at or where the, you know, where the organization is at as far as their beliefs and their attitude towards this Rockets rebuild. I do think that earlier this season in the midst of the 15 game losing streak, things got a little tense uh, with the optics in regards to Steven Silas and his position as the head coach and, and all this, because I do think there was an expectation that they weren't going to be 15 game losing streak bad. You know, there was, it wasn't like they had any illusions of not being a bottom five team, but to lose 15 straight in a row after losing 20 in a row the season prior, you know, there were some bad optics surrounding that. But overall, since, you know, since kind of adjusting from that rough start to the season, it feels like organizationally, everybody's in lockstep. Everybody's on the same page. Tillman Fertitta understands that the, you know, that you can't shortcut a, a rebuild and the Rockets are being allowed to rebuild under Rafael Stone the right way, which is kind of you're in talent acquisition mode right now, which is you're developing the young guys, you're acquiring talent at the top of the draft, you're in asset accumulation mode for you know lack of better terminology. And even though the Rockets didn't necessarily utilize this past deadline to pick up more assets, you can't do that if there's nothing there, if the market is dried up, right? The market was kind of weird at this past trade deadline. You know, why shortchange yourself and, you know, move Christian Wood for 50 or 60 cents on the dollar when you might be able to get more for him this upcoming offseason or even at next trade deadline for a team that may be vying for wanting his services in the future who potentially want his bird rights because they don't have the cap room to sign him, right? Just because a move was not made at this past deadline or, a, you know, a, an asset acquisition move wasn't made, doesn't mean we should turn around and indict the Rockets front office. I think that largely throughout the majority of this rebuild, a lot of the moves have been made with sound judgment in mind as far as what the, you know, the goal was behind or what the, the motives behind certain some of these moves have been. Yes, you can maybe potentially look at the loss of some potential draft capital from a Karis Levert deal going the other direction and maybe say, okay, yeah, 
the front office took an L on that one. That's fine, right? You're not going to be you're not going to be batting 100% on on every single move, uh, you know, uh, going into a, a rebuild or or navigating through a rebuild, right? It's about making as many moves as you possibly can to set yourself up for long-term success. And to this point, it feels like the Rockets organization has done that. They set themselves up with a lot of success due to the James Harden trade of the Brooklyn Nets. Now there's uncertainty in the Brooklyn Nets franchise about their future. Yes, maybe Ben Simmons gives, gives them a little bit more long-term stability, but they probably won't be, uh, unless things work out beautifully with that big three, they probably won't be as top heavy or, you know, be as talented as the former big three, including James Harden. So things remain to be seen how that works out on that front. But this Rockets team has already acquired a ton of talent in last year's draft. They're poised to acquire more talent in this year's draft and be in a prime position to make a play for the next big name, disgruntled star, free agent, whoever, who comes on the board and be able to kind of jump from what is hopefully next season, as far as timelines are concerned, hopefully next season, they're kind of a competitive play in, you know, lower playoff seated type team. I'm, I'm hoping for like nine, 10 seed next season, ballpark, give or take. And then take the jump from that, that season into the following season after making a play in free agency or making a play for an established veteran, an established star player. Then you take the next leap and you move from the play-in tournament area to a lower-seeded playoff team. And then as the young guys continue to grow and develop and find themselves as NBA players, you are now poised for significant long-term success, assuming you're able to keep everybody happy, lock everybody down to long-term deals, all of that. So rather than being in some four to five year extended long rebuild process, we're looking down the barrel of the Rockets could be potentially competitive and vying for a playing spot next season, which is a very quick two-year turnaround as far as a rebuild is concerned because they did such a good job at the top of setting themselves up for success with this first draft, which was a deep draft and a lot of talent, and then being in a good position to pick up another top prospect in this upcoming draft. So with that, those are kind of final miscellaneous thoughts from the trade deadline, from Rafael Stone's presser, and all of that to tee us off this week. Quick reminder that this Thursday night, uh, we'll be hosting the very first ever live in-person uh, Houston Locked on Houston crossover podcast at the Social Beer Garden in Midtown at 8 p.m. Central Time. It'll be an hour of all three shows, Locked on Astros, Locked on Texans, and myself, Locked on Rockets in one under one roof, I should say, um, just talking all things Texans, Astros, and Rockets. It'll be a ton of fun, and we'll do that starting at 8 p.m. for an hour, and that'll lead us directly into the Rockets-Clippers game later that night, the last game before the NBA All-Star break. So come out, have a good time. It should be a ton of fun. Uh, don't want to miss out on it. Uh, drop me a message if you, have, if you have any questions about it, all that good stuff. But if you haven't done so yet, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google, brand new Odyssey app, free and available on all platforms. Also check out the Locked on Rockets YouTube channel. Search Locked on Rockets on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe, all of that. How are you feeling about the Rockets rebuild to this point? How are you feeling about Rafael Stone and how he's orchestrated this Rockets rebuild and kind of how he's steering the ship to this point. Let me know in the comments. I do read every single one of those comments, even if I don't get the chance to reply to every single one of them. I do read every single one that comes in. So with that, as always, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.